Peace. This is the Ask Your Old Head Podcast with Justice Raji. Starting the path and looking at the progression of one's development and for the nature of what my vision or my thoughts around why I started working on this, this episode I wanted to dip into one of the uh, pieces or concepts and I think it's kind of timely in a sense we'll see if I get there correctly to something that's in, in the atmosphere right now and the differentiation uh, in the stages of development of a male um, to a man as I understand it as I try to practice it for my own self Visions for Black Men, by Naeem Akbar, uh, centers or is a, is a piece dedicated to uh, envisioning the concept of self for black men uh, specifically that uh, impacted me as a young man in my thinking. And I'm tied in with my study. I would say, I want to say at the end of high school, I first became familiar with this particular piece. I may or may not have a right time a window uh and in my senior year in high school i took a psychology class you know we talked about human development and stages and and the you know, at least what was the the curriculum at that time differentiating between uh what's it uh freud and uh young right or pavlov or one of them in any regard the the tone and the energy of the conversation was largely around the you know it was very pathology based in two different versions of understanding you know human development that to me not totally but to some degree centered on different sources of pathology amongst humans not necessarily around the you know characteristic or strengths of humans um, or their capacities or their abilities um, and also spoke to the circumstances of you know the cultures that those those visions came from. So Naeem Akbar's piece was one of the first um, pieces I read sometime in that window uh, that spoke specifically to my community and to my experience as a black man in America, the United States of America. Uh, now, some of the things that he talks about in this piece, Visions for Black Men, are not, you know, they're not out of whole cloth derived only from his understanding. Obviously, they reflect his study and learning, but also reflect the culture that he was growing or came up in. And I would say for me, it also reflected some of the things I was taught in other forms by some of my influencers, um, teachers, and what have you, um, from a family perspective. Um, and that includes your moms, uh, my grandfather, uncles aunts, cousins, some other people. So I want to start this episode centered on the concept of male. And and I think it's important because the discussion, I think, that creates, or the, the, the concept, the framework that I think creates challenge and creates a level of tension in our current society uh, as it refers to, relates to rather the 
dynamic of countering the negative, unhealthy pathologies we've ingested living in this particular society. As men, as sexism applies to us, is sometimes rooted in this challenge between differentiating between supporting a male versus supporting a man. Right. So um, at the most basic level, male is someone that meets the basic biological sort of definition of what like is a male versus a female within the human species. Um, not speaking for the, the circumstances where other anatomical realities may present themselves, meaning some people born with both genitalia, no genitalia, uh, other you know biological, physical um representations so put that right there um but largely you know male having the body um things and the characteristics you know a penis um having um you know hair <laughs> at least as you mature into an adult male uh facial hair uh you know maybe in a more abundance and not that all males have facial hair um you know muscle structure all that stuff you know you know what happened a bipedal um or would be bipedal or bipedal 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 uh based on your you know certain level of ability um you know presuming then have some other things that cause you maybe to be in another capacity but still maybe being characterized as male um not that i wanted to go off into the weeds too deep with that but that said that to say this the male being the physical manifestation without necessarily the mental uh, capacities and the other uh, and and the lived experience uh, as defined within you know what a man means within your culture value system uh, and so for me a male is not necessarily someone whom I, I don't. A male is a is a box. It's an entity. I don't know what that person is. I don't know what their values. I don't know how they deal. I don't know what they teach. What they think. I don't know how they treat people until I obviously until I see it. I don't know what they think is important. Most often, I will assume they they primarily are concerned with you know the basics of human survival. And and or the satisfaction of their basic needs. The concept of mind, as it attaches to man, or man differentiating, as I see it, is that you also have, you are the walking personification of, you know, the principles and values of your culture that have give further definition to whatever physical realities you came into the world with showing you or giving you training you on how to how to what your roles are uh, what your responsibilities are what's important to your society uh, and within that what things you may do you know, whether those be things that are exclusive to you as man within society or are just also specific to you, right? And there's a difference there, but we 
we'll get into that maybe another time, not sure. No, no. And so I think sometimes the a challenge of our time is that males who think they're men and may be men within their understanding or framework of it mistake critical analysis, critical feedback of another male's actions as implication and somehow implicating them. Um, I'm going to come back to that, but let me read something in here specific that I think speaks to it. And I suggest you grab a copy. There's some things in here that are, you know, a little dated. In, in, in tone and energy you know, largely as I always say take the best part for yourself so one of his lines is uh, maleness is a mentality that operates with the same principles as a biology it's a menta- mentality dedicated or dictated by appetite and physical determinants this mentality is guided by one by instincts, urges, desires or feelings right so it's saying the body the urges are not uh, how you say uh, relegated, um, triaged in any way by the mind, by the personage, by the by the entity that you are. It's just if I'm hungry, I need to eat. If I'm tired, I get to sleep. I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go to the bathroom. If I'm angry, I strike out. If I'm scared, I run or I stand. Whichever your fight or flee response. Right? There's no contextual factors. There's no um, mounting for counting for time. There's no uh, other pieces in there. Give me what I want when I want it. Uh, and I will find, because I think it's important, and it's a strong, because uh, the way Brother Naeem frames it is, you know, despite the strong, yeah, yeah, here it is, here it is. Uh, Though you're driven by hunger and greed, and an ever-increasing desire for more and more, he is incapable of doing anything to accomplish these things for himself. He is, in this mentality, a whining, crying, hungry, independent little leech. Ooh, that's, that's strong words right there. Now, the the what that's about, though, is that at the at a base level, if one is, you know, um, new to the world as an as an infant would be where your capacity for language and other things are uh, lower or different than you are when you're say 20 is not necessarily it's not a problem for a, a what we would call a male infant to cry when it's hungry to weep when it's scared to crawl, claw and grab when it needs to eat or needs its needs met that's an appropriate way for a baby to get attention even up to several years of age certain you know behaviors would make sense what's problematic is when a 22 year old a 23 year old a 33 year old a 53 year old can't function when they don't get their way can't subsist can't find can't get their needs met without imposing upon others to meet those needs either via coercion uh, whether that be physical or mental or emotional cannot discuss anything with any uh, 
level of objectivity and appropriate subjectivity. It's my way, the highway. Any challenge to my stasis and my my sense of self can only be met with, with fisticuffs. That's a problem. Because if one is developing health with some level of health, they should be, I, I would assume, be able to deal with some level of context to pull out, okay, what's being said to me, what's being asked to me. Uh, I mean, just to reference that, what, what, what the good brother speaks to, these observations are hopefully disturbing to our many chronologically mature brothers who can find images of themselves characterized in these descriptions of the male mentality. Our implication is quite clear. If these qualities represent your predominant mode of interaction, you are almost quite, almost quite literally stuck in your worm stage of development. So what that's saying, what this is about and why this is important for me, is I think for my own self-development, learning the difference between when something upsets me Right, for whatever reason, meaning I hear something or someone says something or I, I watch something and I have a a visceral, physical, you know, some part of this experience of like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. To not just accept that however I've responded or my, my particular discomfort is evidence that whatever is being said is in and of itself wrong. And let me tell you why. When something is wrong... It does not, it can be wrong for you, right? Wrong for your, uh, what you want at the moment. Wrong for what you were planning to do. But it doesn't mean that it is wrong within the broader scope of human society or what the ripple effects will be from that thought, action, situation, what have you. And I started to make improved decisions about how I treat people when I got better, especially the people closest to me. Because it's easy to be, uh, I mean, if you, depending on how you were trained and how you were raised, right? I'm, I'm speaking from my story, the way I was raised. I was very good at being polite, respectful, deferential, uh, considerate of others, because that was a, a priority. And for most of us, I would say, you know, and I'll take a risk here, I would say most of us, we're pretty good at that. The place where we tend to take liberties with people's feelings, with how we treat um, folks with people's um, dignity, is those that either are closest to us as family or friends or intimates, um, who we met or who we have some form of um, leverage position with, whether that's an institutional leverage position or a professional leverage position or a personal leverage leverage position. For instance, uh, if you're the friend amongst your friend group who's you know the loudest, you know most uh, kind of outward energy individual you may tend to always kind of get your way because your friends who known you most of your life don't feel like arguing with you to do something different than whatever thing you've jumped out strongly for you may not 
understand one day when some contingent or some group of that friends doesn't want to kick it or wants to do something else and doesn't invite just doesn't invite you. You might be like, Oh man, why they why they treat me that way? Depending on your level of self awareness, you might think that I don't know, it's something more malicious than it is outside of they just needed a break from you. On another level, if you are an individual who takes uh, a lot of space, say in the home, you know, with uh, you know among your siblings, or that one uncle who comes and messes up the family dinner, in a sense, and that you know he demands you know usually something unreasonable or something that really he didn't need to share with the rest of us, but decided. Everyone needs to hear what I got to say or I'm going to mess, you know. So, therefore, I'm going to impose my will on the, on the body because, you know, y'all love me and care. You're going to give me a pass, a, a pass I could not take with other positions in my life. A way I couldn't treat a potential employer or a potential business partner or, um, you know, an, uh, someone else who maybe would have some some capacity would have would be much easier for them to walk away from me than you will because you're my family or you're the people on my block or you're you know my classmates in this school and I'm under you know I'm in high school and I really don't have another choice what have you anyway so as within the self-development direction as I see it as as uh, moving towards manhood is becoming aware of where your biological urges, the line is between your biological urges, responses to stimulus, and the capacity to discern, you know, what this really is. What is making me feel or respond this way? What is motivating my wish or my actions that are following the urge? In a you know, any study of human development will tell you that the, you know, the experience of trauma at the different stages in our life are possible to leave us anchored or moored in behaviors that are, you know, are not the greatest, you know, maladaptive and can be hard to break depending on, our, you know, if without really some either intentional action on our part, um, I guess what I mean is a part of it and also having the fortune to maybe have someone bring it up to you or challenge you in a way about your behavior that it gives you the opportunity to grow and does not just cause you to to strike out or return to a fighter's position where nothing else can come. I I think Naeem's brother Akbar's motivation for this particular text is to create an opportunity for to think about psychological development, um, the meaning of manhood um, for black men specifically at the time that this was cracking totally opened up a conversation and the part of the practice of what I'm trying to continue with this podcast is the ongoing nature of our own self-definition specifically as black men but as a community of black people as a broader community of survivors of the post uh, Colombian world, so to speak, the people who we will be as a society moving into the future. That's where 
this uh, conversation starts from. So the important step that I would hope one would get or I want to share or express is that if you're not able to differentiate between when someone is challenging norms or behaviors that may be associated with a black man or are the activities of a black man with who you are, there's a chance that you're creating the space for others to receive harm or experience harm. Now, and I really didn't plan it this way, but this is how the universe works. So this R. Kelly documentary, you know, came on the radar the weekend, the week before, I want to say, right? That's the whole week, yeah. And, you know, I think there's been the challenging piece that I've found with it. And 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 several times for men that I I think are pretty good male you know, good dudes or well-meaning at a minimum is the inability or maybe not inability is not the right word. The unclear, the lack of clarity around if they think, if they understand that you can simultaneously castigate R. Kelly for what's alleged that he has done without having to create a space for you know where there would have maybe been a misunderstanding with and what I think is at the root of this is sort of maybe where you would think someone could have made a mistake around choice meaning they could have you know, been involved with someone who was underage and they, they didn't realize or they thought they were this age, depending on where they're, they're at in the spectrum. And whatever R. Kelly's been doing, alleged to be doing. And or also this concern with, you know, taking a black man down and all these things. Um, it's a really, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging thing for me in that, as I see it, I am centered on me being the highest application of myself in real time and matter in my own life. So when I think about something going wrong or something that's happening in the world or something that I'm doing, my central reference point is me. And I I know within the history of this country and in this society that something unfounded that a person with the privilege and the access and the power to have the systems around us serve as such could take away my liberty, could take away my freedom, could separate me from my family, could destroy my community, could physically kill me without many repercussions or without me having the capacity to stop it from an historical experience reality. I know that. I also know that there are things that I can, choices that I can make, decisions that I could do, decisions that I could make, uh, behaviors that I could manifest that would bring that same mayhem to me and or make it easier for those forces that would wish to treat me in that way, make it so. But all of that has nothing, all of that doesn't also rule out that if I'm just wrong, I'm wrong. And what that man is alleged 
to have done what I saw way back when, you know, back in the original, the tape, it was in the hood and da-da-da. You know, they were selling it on the block. You know what I mean? And I saw the DVD, not the whole thing, saw at least the clip and said, yeah, I think that's homie. I think I'm going to have to walk away from this man. That was it. My question to you is what within your character or you and your personage stops you from being able to make that willful decision? That is the the nugget. That is the piece that I would like and I would challenge you to think about in life. Because there's a difference between the man and the male that stops you at least in my estimation there's something in the male that is fighting your man to go no I have to let this person this male I have to let him go (laughs) and I think if you take some time to meditate on that take some time to sit with that thought why do you feel motivated to not let this male go Just explore it. You can feel free to share, you know, on the internet with me if you want to. You know where to find me on Twitter, or you might know at just ife j u s t underscore i f e on Twitter or Instagram. But ask yourself, why are you fighting letting this man go? Not man, pardon me, male. Why? Are you arguing with folks about, well, where were the parents and what about this? And, you know, it sounds like it could be some other stuff or, well, you know, this goes on, that goes on. All of that stuff, I'm not asking why you, you can simultaneously think about the, the realities of these other problematic pieces of the story, these other complicit parties and you know, the general overall complicit, which is magical thinking and or also but buying the dream, which is the constant thing in our experience in this society that in different forms always leads one astray or into mayhem or challenge. But really, sit with it. Why, what is it that I love about the male that would make me want to make that type of male a man? So, this is a a step one, I would say. You know, um, I don't know if it'll be in the next episode, but in the subsequent episode of the podcast, I'm going to tie more into some of my own defining concepts as as man and what I think is really reflective of what a man is, what manhood means in so many terms to me. So, in the meantime, if you have access, Visions for Black Men by Naeem Akbar, still available on the internet to purchase. I'll probably post the link in the show notes. Um, I'll probably post some other things in between now and the next episodes. Should have an interview coming up for you next week if everything goes as planned, um, as well as maybe pulling some other things out the archives. Yeah, and with that, I'm going to bring this to a close so i thank you for listening peace this has been the ash your old head podcast with justice raji thank you for listening
Peace.